Clubhouse is a new destination for Wall Street and Silicon Valley insiders. The voice chat app that is all the rage right now. The next big media platform. I don't f-ing get Clubhouse. We're doing Clubhouse here. I don't f-ing get it. Clubhouse is the hottest new social media app, but as noted in this thread on Twitter, it may have a problem on its hands. And that problem is an interestingness problem. Is interestingness a word? It is now. Basically, suggesting that when a new platform like this arises, people flood to it and start creating content. But it's kind of hard to figure out if any of it is actually good, interesting. What do you do once you get into the app? How do you solve this? Today on the show, we're going to be speaking with some breakout creators on the platform that seem to be solving that problem. We had a great conversation with the girls who run NYU Girls Roasting Tech Guys, which is a hit show on Clubhouse. And we talked to them about the good, the bad, and the future of Clubhouse. In just about a month, they've had crazy growth, huge collabs, and have already worked with brand partners. So today's episode is a lesson for all creators in what the future of building an audience looks like. But it's also a lesson for platforms on how they can ensure their app does not go down in flames like Quibi. You know what happened with Quibi. We all know what happened with Quibi. Samir, roll the intro. That's not my job. Samir, roll the intro. It's not my job, Colin. Okay. Whoa. All right. I'll roll the intro. Roll the intro. All right. We want to take a second to thank the sponsor for this episode, Aura Rank. Colin, I have a question for you. Hit me. How much sleep did I get last night? Why would I know that? Guess. Eight hours. Incorrect. Seven hours and 39 minutes. And pretty close, actually. So. Okay. 21 minutes off. Well, Colin, my heart rate was 46 beats per minute. How do I know all of this? It's because I've been wearing this Aura Ring. Now, Aura Ring records your skin temperature, your heart rate, it tracks your sleep, it's waterproof, and you never have to take it off. Once I put this on, I have not taken it off. Now, Aura Ring records information and gives you insight on how to live a better and healthier life. For example, I've learned some pretty important things about myself since I've been wearing this Aura Ring. One of which is how much inactive time I have. Mm. It was pretty jarring for me, but yesterday it notified me and let me know that for five and a half hours, I was inactive. That's the type of data that hurts a little bit when you read it, but you need to know it. Even down to like sleep efficiency, it gives you a score. And so my score was 86 last night, which means I'm optimal when it comes to sleep. Now it even gets you down to how long were you awake while you were in bed? What was your REM cycle and how long was that? When were you in light sleep and deep sleep? It's trusted by everyone from the NBA to our favorite creators. Another thing that's amazing is I've been wearing this thing all day, all day, all night. I slept in it. I wear it in the shower. Yeah, I've heard about it. You've been I, telling me. I've been telling you all about all it all day. day. I've only charged it once and it still has 80% battery. The reality is as much as I want to be the accountability buddy for you, I'm not the best suited for the job. You're not. It's my aura ring. It's the aura ring. So thanks to Aura Ring for sponsoring this episode. If you guys want to check out Aura Ring, the link is in the description. We met some of their team members this week. Super awesome company and really enjoying my time so far with the Aura Ring. And I think you guys will too. So check out the link in the description. Back to the episode. Do we have any Colin and Samir news? Is there any company yep. news? So in company news, that Addison Ray song and even the concept of music was something that we covered in our internal newsletter. The way we're launching our new product, which is a newsletter, is... We've brought on a team and we are drafting the newsletter internally and essentially doing it through Google Docs right now and, and writing 
articles and takes and and uh, formatting and just it's such a fun and new process for us because we're so used to audio and video. And this episode of of the podcast is all about like new formats and it's all about you know this live audio format of Clubhouse and how do you how do you make that? How do you shape it into something? What we're doing internally is this process of like producing and learning how to get to a format of written content that we feel really proud of. And it's been so fun. Yeah, it's really fun too, because as I read every issue, I'm starting to feel the culture and the vibe of the newsletter. And you could see what the community would be like. And I'm learning new things from reading our own internal newsletter right now. It's really cool. I think one of the craziest things is just like that we have team members. You know, like if you've been listening to this podcast for a long time, you know the ups and downs of of our business and, and what any creator business looks like. And the amazing thing is you have to develop the content first and then you can sell it. So it's like, it's not guaranteed this is going to make money. It's an investment. It's something that we're taking a bet on. And that is now turning into, you know, employees and infrastructure and starting to take much bigger bets on ourselves and, and on the business. How does that feel? A little scary, but a lot of fun. I would not want to be in any other position than hiring people, taking risks, and trying to actually really push this forward. The thing that's interesting is the added layer of pressure is so important. Or it's like, okay, now the pressure's on. There's people who work here. There's people who are relying on us to make good content and to make good decisions. It's scary, but it's like, it's the right amount of pressure. And to contrast it, like later in the episode, you're going to hear for, from startup creators, you know, NYU girls, resting tech guys who've just developed a format. They're six weeks in, they're moving super fast. They're eight partners. And one of the coolest things of the whole thing, and I'm not sure if this is going to make it into the, the final, but they asked us what our opinion was on their business, what our advice was for their format and how they should grow. And having 10 years under our belt and feeling like you know now we're, we have the maturity to be able to launch into new formats, I think that was a really cool part of the conversation. Let's start with some context on Clubhouse. It is a live audio-only app that operates a lot like a conference or a panel, like you would see at South by Southwest. People have a discussion and then audience members can basically raise their hand, get up on stage, the virtual stage, and ask a question. And Clubhouse has had some really big moments because you're getting a kind of raw look into people that you wouldn't typically hear from, like Elon Musk. I think that was probably Clubhouse's big moment where people started to realize like, okay, this is really big. We've been in Clubhouse rooms with Mr. Beast, MKBHD, Brian Armstrong of Coinbase, and we've even hosted our own. We're going on one this week. It, it, it's a really cool opportunity to be live in a setting that's like, you know, you get to have this unfiltered conversation. But as a consumer, I'm not really like that avid of a user because one of the issues, at least personally, I face is that I open the app and I don't know what to listen to. Unless it's someone I know, I, I, don't, I don't just casually go and, and listen to, to live audio. As consumers, we're at a point where we want to watch something or listen to it on our own time. Yeah. That's the way we operate now. If you don't operate that way, you have to be very clear about your messaging and your programming, your shows have to be really good. And that's what's going to save Clubhouse. Show development. I would say it's the same for Reels. It's the same for Twitter Spaces. Any of these new platforms, you have to have really good shows. You need to give creators and audiences an example of what the best looks like so that other creators can aspire to be that and so that audiences know what they're getting on that platform. And the answer for Clubhouse right now is coming in the form of new shows that are emerging on their platform, one of which is the Good Time Show, which we mentioned we were on. And I would argue that next hit show is NYU Girls 
roasting tech guys? This is the answer to the problems that Clubhouse is facing. It's this. This is the answer. These girls have figured it out. Essentially, the way our room works is it's a very interactive format on Clubhouse. It's a room where people can find love. And so people in the audience can raise their hand and we get to choose who comes up. They'll pick someone that's in the audience or on stage that catches their eye that they would like to buy a virtual drink for at the bar simulation. And they tell us a little bit about themselves. They um, ask some questions between each other. Everyone gets to watch their first awkward experience. And then we're kind of like, the moderator is letting the other person decide if they can slide into their DMs or not. And one of the things that's specifically interesting about our room with our moderators is if you talk about your business, you get booted. Uh, and so it's very quick, it's very fast. Um, and there's always fun people dropping in on stage. There are these two girls, Caitlin and Casey. And I think Caitlin had come up on stage like for someone, someone else called her up. And she ended up finding this girl, Casey, in the audience and was like, and then they ended up dialing in on Valentine's Day and they spent Valentine's Day together. And they dialed in from the car and they were like, hey, NYU girls, like, thanks so much for this. We're spending Valentine's Day together. And so oh, that was like pretty crazy. That was one of the first times that we were like, damn, like this is a real situation where people are like finding people they could actually date, like part of it's entertainment, but it really is a bar simulation. And the fact that like you can reach out. Also interesting noting that like you don't have to come up on stage to DM someone. And so a lot of people DM in our room and it's kind of oh, this like virtual space where people are sliding into each other's DMs. It's like prospecting. It's like, like a new form of like finding people that you might want to wow. talk to. Talk to me about like the origin of this when you all got together. Was it, hey, this is going to be fun? Or did you look at Clubhouse and say, there's going to be a, a business opportunity on this app? Like when was the beginning of all of this? One thing that's really funny and important to mention is this all started as a joke and we are actually a friend group from NYU. That's not a branding play. This is actually our friend group. And what's really interesting about it is that we have eight girls that are really smart and have different skill sets working on this thing together that we're all a part of. And so we all like kind of like immediately assigned ourselves roles and like are working on this where we all own different parts of it. The first night we ran it, Clubhouse actually shut down because Elon Musk was on the app. And so we had 900 people who were stuck in our room. They couldn't leave and so they just stayed. And so people were tweeting about us. And it was before we had a name and they were tweeting things like, wow, like listening to these NYU girls roast tech guys is poetic. I remember this night very well. And what's amazing to me is this was not that long ago. Yeah, it was it was a month ago. It kind of just like came out of thin air almost, you know, like we have really fun banter as a friend group. And I think people saw that and it kind of changed the experience for a lot of people on Clubhouse. Um, you know, there were lots of rooms on like how to market your business and D to C tips and tricks and things like that. The culture of Clubhouse had already been defined, but the types of rooms we were creating that were very like random, like we'd create rooms like is Army Hammer a cannibal or like are ice cubes practical? And then I would jump in these rooms and the people that followed me were these people who have like accrued millions of followers since the beginning of Clubhouse. But specifically with our room that next night, I think it was Twitter that just like really catapulted us. We hit 4.7K listeners that first night we ran it. And I had tweeted a photo of 70 people waiting to come up on stage. And it went viral on Twitter and had over 400,000 impressions on it. That was kind of when we were like, oh shit, like there's actually something here. Who were some of those people that you first started to notice were coming into the room, whether it was that first night with 900 people or the second night with almost 5,000? I would say Cody Poe was really early. 
um, he jumped in and we like brought him up and we were like, roast us, Cody. And he was like, Lydia, you suck as a DJ. And we, we were all like, <laughs> I think what's really interesting is, is the, the breadth of different kinds of people that come in. We have TikTok stars. We have founders of large companies like Twitch. We have huge DJs like Diplo. And I think that kind of all plays into the excitement in our room and the spontaneity and the butterflies that people feel when they're sitting in the mm. audience because it's kind of like, What's going to happen next? It's like a very savvy storytelling tactic that Colin and I talk about all the time, which is like our job as creators is to constantly build tension and then release tension and do that at, at disproportionate levels to keep you watching or listening, right? And mm -hmm. what you guys are doing is like creating so much tension in the room of what you just said, who's going to pop in? What's this person going to say? Are they going to be successful? There's so much tension in every minute. Like some of my favorite stuff is when someone's just pitching their business and you like cut them off and kick them out. Like I love that uh, feeling of how cutthroat you guys are. So, I think um, that in our friend group, yeah. everyone's like pretty ruthless with each other already. And then the size of the room didn't really affect that. It was like, we just kind of, it started small. And so like, we joke, like, don't look down. Like, I don't even, right. we don't even like think about how many people are listening. We're just like talking at this point. Like, I actually d don't feel nervous at all on the stage. And I think that's like part of the thing. It's like, you're actually hanging out with your friends mm. and you're like sitting in your bed. You're not like what do I look like? And like, what does this big sure. person think of me? You're just kind of like, you have an icon and you like make random noises. It's very, it's very funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, the audio is like a very much like you feel very comfortable being yourself, I think. How do you feel about some of the comments around like Clubhouse having an interesting problem? Why did you decide to make it like a program that was available on certain days at certain times? Like, how did you get into appointment listening? How did you figure out that that was the right move? And do you think mm -hmm. that Clubhouse in general is is still tough to navigate? Or what do you think of the platform? I think in terms of the fact that it's live, it's like television, you own your hour. And like we started doing it at this time. And it was like people would know to come back at that time because NYU girls were roasting tech guys at 7pm PT. When we first started, I think there were like 8 million weekly active users. And then like within two weeks, there were like 11 million weekly active users. So we we're like, it's growing really fast. We have to do this more than once a week and we have to just keep getting new people as they come in because they're going to come in and they're going to look for something interesting and they're going to jump around and then they're going to like have fun in our room. And so that was very intentional in terms of just cadence and structure and consistency. But in terms of the, the interestingness problem, it's, I think like one of the reasons our room works really well is because it's fast, but I think like Sean Puri said it very well. And the fact that like, if you jump in and then the first seven seconds, it's not interesting, you're going to leave. And I think that's also like the behavior that was kind of is kind of promoted by the clubhouse team. Like Paul says, like, be promiscuous, like jump around, see different rooms. Even like as we've started the show now, I don't go into other rooms. I think the rooms that we go into is like the, the rooms where you meet people. And that's like a very different experience that was not intentional. But like, that's my favorite part you guys are on the cutting edge of this new type of content and, and pioneering what it means to build a career uh, or, or build a business on top of Clubhouse. I think what's interesting is it does fit into the broader creator economy or, or what we'll call attention economy, where it's just like you're able to capture attention. Now the question is, what do you do with it? Last question for me, where is NYU Girls Roasting Tech Guys a year from now, March 2022? Where, where is this company? Well, I hope we can Good go on question. a tour. <laughs> before then um touring the u.s i think every single one of us on would, would give you a different answer and not in a 
crazy or a chaotic way. I think in a kind of a good way. I think everybody, everybody's kind of long on our idea. Everybody has um, careers that are in tech and business and marketing and advertising. And I don't think anybody, you know, was like, I see this for myself as a career, but I think something that we can all relate to is that, you know, we love attention, who doesn't like attention. And so, you know, I think everybody has kind of gotten this attention and they're like, this is really awesome. And, you know, what can we make out of this? For me, I would say, I hope that our distribution on other platforms becomes a lot larger. Like I hope we're able to not only have a clubhouse show or some kind of live show, but also have some kind of YouTube video follow-up and, you know, just kind of like experiment with different platforms. I hope that we have a really fun Twitter presence and that we really just grow our brand as being like smart, fun girls who, you know, love to engage with other people and have a really good time doing it. The most important thing to figure out in our eyes in terms of the brand is what is the thing that keeps people coming back? And I think we're starting to realize it's us. At first, we were like, oh, it's this interactive dating format. People really like that. Or, oh, it's Clubhouse. And like, we just happen to be this like thing on Clubhouse that like works because people love Clubhouse and spend a lot of time on it. Creating a very entertaining show where you get to feel the prospect of love also. Like it's a very emotional, entertaining experience. I think you guys put it really well in like some of the things that we can do on other platforms. I think we've created this space for really good stories and stories make amazing content. And it's like, how can we get each of those stories in the format that's right for them? Um, whether it's those later storylines of dates, whether it's like funny things that happen on the show and like, how do we recap it properly? Like Sarah was saying, but yeah, I think there's an opportunity to really expand the brand and just like bring a lighthearted, funny, like female first thing into the culture. And I think that like we somehow leaned into this weird like simp thing that like seems to kind of be staying. <laughs> I don't know. I, what's so funny about it is how respected it is um, when we're doing it. Like no one is really like not respecting us in this. And so I think that's going to help us grow also, which is that's taken us years to figure out how to get to a proper like value prop, how we position ourselves in the market. And you guys have done it really fast. You're definitely uh, miles and miles and, and light years ahead of us when we started creating. You guys are a, a true embodiment of, of the future of um, content creators and, and your approach to it. And I think we're excited to, to help tell the story and I think inspire this next generation of creators to take some of what you guys are doing and, and use it as a roadmap. So thank you so much for saying that. Seriously, this is so cool. So excited to be a part of this. It feels to me what Colin and I were talking about is like the, the path that you guys can take now that you have the attention, you have a tone, you have a community is, is probably akin to like an overheard or, you know, some of the, you know, meme accounts that, you know, mm -hmm. could you start posting stuff that's like examples of DMs of people shooting their yeah. shots or could you take quotes from about. the show? Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Because I think that that path, like the thing is, if you just look around at the other media companies who have succeeded, like you have a very established brand now and you're building, you know, programming first and then can back into what is the extension of that programming that materializes itself on, you know, on other platforms and then, Maybe it's card games or maybe it's, you know, 
partnerships with, uh, yeah, spaces where you can have a card that's like a shoot your shot card. So it's like, it's very, to me, this feels like a very big brand uh, that you guys have laid the foundation for. And I'm sure it's happening very fast. Uh, are, Are you, as like a group of eight, how does that feel as a dynamic? Because even like people ask us, we're, we're, or two, we have to have a really good working relationship to work through all of this stuff that's monetizing ourselves, monetizing our creativity, monetizing our identity. Um, we have to be very in tune and we've, we've worked on that for 10 years. So I'm curious as a group of eight, how that feels, uh, you know? Yeah, it's challenging because everyone's really smart um, and therefore, you know, everyone's opinions I value extremely highly, but everyone's also really strong-willed. And so everybody values their own opinion very strongly. Um, But um, there are a few of us that have kind of um, been like recognized as like the people who will make decisions, which has kind of been a little bit easier um, as we move forward, Um, just because it's not all eight of us. It's like a smaller group of us. Um, And, but yeah, it's definitely challenging and and there are lots of different dynamics and it you know has thwarted our progress i think in in some ways um we're the accidental startup i feel like right like we became an eight person company that's a group of best friends which is a little like you don't necessarily walk into that intentionally i think that what's cool like what we were talking about before is that we do have different skill sets and so it actually complements we do complement each other well. It's more so just like as we figure out, like because like virality is very stressful, and the fact that like there's so many things that come at you, and you have to make these decisions very quickly on what the right strategy is. And so it's mm. just to get about once we can really like figure out like okay, what exactly does this look like going forward? Then I think it becomes a little bit easier to actually work towards that goal. But you just have to get everyone on the same page because your question before, like, do people want to be influencers or do people want to be um, building a real product or, you know, there's so many different types of people. And so um, hopefully we could do all of it. That'd yeah, you play this dance. You play this dance of entrepreneur, founder talent um, in this business. And it's, it's, uh, it, it gets confusing at times because you, you have to find a good, you know, balance between those those different roles and the different hats that you have on when you are the talent and you're the one selling and you're the one managing uh and and like people's emotions change like uh there are times when you know clearly we've been working together for 10 years the way we feel about doing certain types of work changes at different paces where there's like things that you know samir's like hey i don't want to do that anymore like that's not for me in my life like i just i don't care what it takes like i'm just not doing that and then it's like okay all right well let's we yeah. both have those types of things and we have to try and I'm the diva over and I don't mean like that, but we do just have to over communicate about what we, how we want to live our daily lives. And like, that's the basis for how we make decisions yeah. is yeah. like, is, is what you're doing day to day, what you want to be doing. And if it's not, let's figure out how to adjust that. I so, have a question uh, for you guys. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. I think like one of the conversations that we've had that's kind of reoccurring is like, what are the benchmarks for us to dive into this full time? Um, because I feel like the creator space is like, it's still very new. And I feel like now I'm starting to understand a little bit more that like, it's a little bit hard still to define what the business really is entirely. Like you still mm-hmm. are kind of figuring it out as you go. But like for you guys, what was it that shift that made you guys dive in? 
And what have you seen with other creators you've talked to? Uh, I think you have to find a way to uh, develop like a deep sense of clarity in what you do want out of this. Uh, and I think that's shifted over the past 10 years. Like, you know, in the beginning, it was it was very new. And again, like you mentioned, attention's very intoxicating and exciting and you know you can do something with it. And um, our intentions from the beginning, like our first business was a very niche sports network um, about the sport of lacrosse, which we both grew, grew up playing. And that was something that was us making content that we wanted when we were younger and like a, a community that we wanted to be a part of. And that's what we made. And that was our intention. And we loved it as the audience started to grow. And then, you know, as we, as we grew up and, and we had success with that company and we came around, what we're doing today is the same thing. We're making content for, you know, our, ourselves 10 years ago when we embarked on this journey of being creators. Um, and so I think the community that we're building, even talking to people like you, like our intention is to build a community of like-minded people who are all trying to turn their ideas into reality and then build careers off of that. Cause that's what we've been able to do. And so for us, it's not about, you know, are we going to become the next, uh, you know, channel with, with millions and millions of subscribers and millions and millions of views. It's about building a dedicated community, being able to tell that story in the market and having a career doing what we enjoy doing. So I think that's evolved over time, but our benchmark of success, I think as we've now, you know, we're both in our thirties has gone to lifestyle. And like, if we're making this choice to own our own company, to work for ourselves, is it fun? Is it what we want to be doing? Are we having a good time? Are we living the life we want to live? Uh, that's number one now. Whereas before I think it was, can we make money doing this? Um, are we getting notoriety? Are we, you know, there's a lot of ego tied up into it in, in the early stages. And that has, that has shifted quite a bit as we've gotten older. Yeah. I would add too that there have been a lot of times where we had to really think about what we wanted to do for money and what we didn't, because for a long period of time, uh, being creators was not necessarily uh, what was paying our bills. Like over the years, we've done all types of things to make sure that we could keep making videos. Mm -hmm. um, so that was really important to, uh, you know, to understand what do we want to do for money and what do we not want to do? Right. And I would add that like, we took that really seriously and like, you know, almost a year and a half ago, because we really couldn't fund what we were doing anymore in ways that we wanted to, we ended up stopping. Like we did actually part ways from what we were doing because from a lifestyle perspective, we were no longer able to like achieve that within the confines of our working relationship. So, you know, luckily for us, like partnerships hit at the right time that really pulled us out of that uh, and did allow us over the past year and a half to make this a full-time thing, but it got really close. I mean, like it was... Yeah, I mean, for context, uh, you know, March of 2020, right before the pandemic hit, like we had about $3,000 in our business bank account and we were like... And we were 30. And we were 30 and we were like, okay, we're going to move on and do something totally different. We had a really good careers in media prior to this and... We'll get jobs. It's not working out. Uh, let's go get some jobs. And then today we have an office here in Venice and there's 10 people who work at our company and uh, we're, we're building the company of our dreams. And it changed really fast, but it came from clarity and just really understanding like lifestyle. What do we want to build? And then... Uh, being super intentional about that and having blinders on and just saying like, I'm not going to get distracted. I'm just, I'm, I'm building for myself. And, and uh, like, that's what, that's what we're going to do every day. So. 
Damn. I have some questions Power about to club. you guys. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thanks. Power to you guys as well. You guys are very impressive because you guys, I feel like we're able to flip out a brand that took, that's taken us years to figure out how to get to a proper like value prop, how we position ourselves in the market and you guys have done it really fast. So I think you're definitely uh, miles and miles and, and light years ahead of us when we started creating. Okay. So what, what is the X factor here when you think about this show and like why, why we're so excited about it is because these girls are operating as writers, producers, development executives, brand builders, and talent. And once they realized they had something interesting on their hands, they accounted for all of those right from the start. It was like, we need this, 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 and that. And when you start to listen to how they're thinking, they're thinking more like a startup and like a small business than they are just as pure talent or, or like a filmmaker. Mm -hmm. And so when you think back to the early stages of YouTube and, and content creation, it was typically like single talent or group of talent who was really passionate about filmmaking, editing, content creation. Now we're starting to see this world where the barriers to entry are lowering from a content perspective. Written content is becoming a viable means of uh, business and income with Substack and, and Twitter and other spaces. And now live audio and live radio show is becoming also a viable way to, to garner attention. And now I think what everyone's realizing is attention is the top of funnel for a business. So you got to build a business around it. And that I think is what we're recognizing is the future of, of content creators is being more a producer, an entrepreneur, a business owner, and a brand builder than necessarily being just purely talent, creative talent. And it may sound obvious, but what's important in the beginning when you want to grow is distribution. And right now, barriers are lower on certain platforms, some of these new platforms, but they're actually much higher on the traditional platforms like YouTube. It's very hard to stick out and be unique on YouTube and get distribution. But if you're quick, whether it was to TikTok a year ago or two years ago, or now Clubhouse, if you can find a way to be unique on some of these new platforms, you can really find distribution. And then once you have distribution, once you have that attention, think then about what it turns into next. Where does it go? And like from the get-go, they have a website with email capture. They have a brand that looks clean, like you even think about us, right? Like it, the website and packaging has been something that's sometimes an afterthought and something that we have to work on is, is brand building. And so I think the conversations we've been having a lot internally is that creators are now small business owners. Like the concept of just like influencer is likely starting, we're, we're kind of moving on from that. And this is the future where it's let's build a brand. Now, the reason why programming and, and all these roles matter, I was thinking about this this morning that, Imagine if you turned to the Kardashians when they were starting their re reality show and you're like, here's the cameras. You guys just, just make the show. It would not be that interesting. What makes that show is that there's producers, writers, development executives, showrunners, brand builders, all attached to that show to make it interesting. Same with the real world or, or any other reality show, right? The Bachelor. Can you imagine? It's like, hey, just date a bunch of, of women and, or, or men and 
here's your GoPro and just make something. Well, sounds like a PR disaster and a nightmare. Yeah, it just, it just probably wouldn't be packaged properly. <laughs> Nor would it be entertaining. It wouldn't be yeah. the brand that is The Bachelor, right? Or any of these big franchises. And so I think the internet has now just democratized the opportunity, obviously, to break into entertainment. And now that the space is maturing, the opportunity is actually to build your own franchise. Now, the platform that did this in a very unique way was TikTok. Like when we talk about programming being a guiding light, like for us, when we first opened up Twitter Spaces or Clubhouse, the question you have as a creator is, what am I supposed to make here? What do I do? I know I can talk. I could talk live for an hour, but like, what's the show that I'm basing this off of, right? And we talk with Sarah and Devin about this, but they are building a roadmap now mm. for what it looks like to build a business off of Clubhouse, what it looks like to be successful uh, and a creator that's continuing to grow and diversify. They're doing it in a really short amount of time, mm -hmm. which is super impressive, but they are now providing that roadmap. And that's what is essential for these platforms to have happening because if they don't, other creators don't know what to do there. On that point, why did TikTok have so many stars? It's because they provided guidance. You open up the app and you immediately have guidance. Do the savage dance, do this thing, do this trend, You know, use this sound. And it's just like, I open up the app and I'm like, Okay, you at least gave me a starting point to figure out what I'm supposed to make. And then the For You page is like feeding you content that's successful. And you're like, oh, okay, I get it. I'm, I'm starting to learn. So you start to realize like the feed is actually education for your creators. But the issue that we're talking about is that when you open up Clubhouse right now, you're like, which one of these rooms is like the best one? The most important job at Clubhouse, in my opinion, is the head of programming. The person or the team that is there making sure that they are building programs that people actually want to tune into that are different and unique and could only be done on Clubhouse. Mm, that's a really important piece. Uh, it's like what makes this platform unique and what, what does programming look like? Live audio is launching everywhere. You know, I mean, it's clear that this is something that's pretty easy to spin up or just something that, you know, Twitter Spaces spun it up, Stereo spun it up, Facebook is probably going to put something out similar, Instagram will probably put out rooms like this. So if the, the barrier to entry is that low, the, what we're talking about is actually you got to raise it a bit and make it platform specific. It's obvious that Clubhouse doesn't have like a unique feature. The live audio room is not a unique feature. What they have to build now is what makes a Clubhouse show. And this is one of the issues that I think we talked about with Quibi. Watching short form video was not unique. Yep. What was a Quibi show? That was the downfall. There was no programming. You didn't understand what it meant to... to like, what was the culture of Quibi? It was like, why can't I just have this on my TV? Yeah, or why, like, couldn't I just watch a seven-minute video on YouTube? What is this? And that's, the, that's the, the answer that all these platforms need to find is, what is Clubhouse? What is Twitter Spaces? Like, what is the programming that exists there? And who is the model creator? What is the model show? And then how do I build towards that? I have a lot of creative energy. I'm ready to pop in my, my uh, headphones and just start talking live. But what makes it a good show? And that's really the takeaway for these platforms. You can't just open up a new feature or a new platform without thinking really heavily about programming. Twitter Spaces is a great example. It's like Twitter Spaces, how does this differ from Clubhouse? What, yeah. what is the model program? And whatever that is, show? like lean heavily into that. Yeah, and, and show it to me. Put it on the trending tab, like show it to me. Show me that I should aspire to become a Spaces creator and what type of creator are you trying to attract? Same with Clubhouse. Like, is, was the Elon Musk interview the, the marquee piece? Is that the thing that I should be aspiring to do is interview shows? Is it this format with, with the NYU girls? Like, build case studies around this and make sure to storytell around what's working on your platform so I get what I'm supposed to do over there. I understand this thing of like, let's put out technology and let's see how creators use it. 
But you also have to define your brand a little bit and say what it is. That's the takeaway for platforms. For creators, the takeaway is start treating your content pretty seriously. Like really take a look at it as like, what franchise am I building? What's the brand? What's the team? You know, how do, how do these things interact? And what's, what's the format that I'm building that makes this different, unique, interesting, and sets a standard on the platform that I'm coming to? I think the takeaway for creators is about finding where you can be unique. Because if you can sink into a unique value prop on a platform, that's when you're going to get distribution. And that's what happened with the NYU girls. They were unique. They were doing something different. And then they realized, okay, we have something. We have attention. That's when they turned all the lights on. And I think we're going to see a lot of young creators starting to follow that roadmap of we have branding. We have our own management. We have our own writing. We have our own producing. We are an entity that's ready to go the moment the light switch turns on that we have something interesting. Final question. Where's Clubhouse this time next year? Like is Clubhouse still around? How do they stay relevant over the next year? How do they not quibby? Scouting really good talent and injecting capital and guidance into some of these creators so that the programming gets really good. What if someone's helping the NYU girls book crazy guests right now? Mm. Really high profile single guests who are looking to go on a date. And then can you create a video version that follows that person on the date or something like that? Like help them build really quickly so that this becomes so valuable and then pay them to be exclusive to Clubhouse. That last thing you just said, I think is really important because what you have to remember is that over time, as if this gets really big, the NYU girls, the Good Time Show, whatever it is, um, you're bringing a lot of users and a lot of retention to Clubhouse. There's no monetization attached to that. You have to monetize on your own time. You have to figure it out yourself. You got to help me out if I'm bringing users to your app with programming and helping create the guiding light for other creators. Clubhouse, you got to step in and, and, and support those creators. The same way that certain actors and directors get Netflix deals, certain creators are going to have to get platform deals. Yes, for sure. So let us know what you all think about Clubhouse. Like, is this uh, app that's here to stay? What do you think about the NYU girls roasting tech guys show? Uh, is that actually the roadmap? Um, is there something different? What do you think about live audio in general? And if you made it to this part in the episode, you can answer one of those questions or you can comment something really specific that only you would know because you made it to the end of the episode. So, yeah. If you made it this far into the episode, I would imagine you liked the episode. So if you could actually go down and press the like button, we would appreciate it. Yeah, helps us out. It's a way to support the show right now. Also, in the last 28 days, we've grown over 10,000 subscribers. And I would imagine a lot of you are some of those new subscribers who are watching right now. So thank you for subscribing. If you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. We cover the creator economy to empower and educate this next generation of creators. And I think this was a perfect example. It was so amazing to be able to highlight the NYU girls who are that next generation of creators. Thank you to Aura Ring for sponsoring this episode and stay tuned. We have an amazing slate of programming coming up. Make sure you're subscribed and we will see you next week. Peace. Bye.